0: Okay. Thanks, brother. Good morning. Morning, church. We get to celebrate communion today. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? So, would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13? Hebrews chapter 13. All right, you guys are going to have to cut and give me some time, okay? Because I just put on my wrong sermon. So give me a couple, couple minutes, all right? I'm not all here. What's going on? All right, so okay, so hold on. Just give me a couple seconds, please. Uh, thanks. Thank you. That is the wrong, totally wrong sermon. Okay. Mm. Here I was, I thought I was all ready. Let's go here. No, let's go here. Okay, 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 okay. Hebrews chapter 13, all right. I thought I was going to have to do it from memory. Which I, I used to I have to do that sometimes when I uh, forgot my notes, but praise the Lord. They're here. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's start. Father, we are so grateful today. We're grateful that we could get in your word and we're grateful that we have each other. We're grateful, uh, more importantly, for the son of God who came down as a baby, who grew and lived a perfectly holy life, a life that we could not do. He fulfilled the law, and he paid the penalty for our sins, and he is the mediator. Lord, we we thank you that he died on the cross for our sins, and we pray, Father, that that would be our theme this Christmas. That would be our theme this communion. That would be our theme to um, our neighbors, our friends. May we be a people filled with kindness and gentleness, filled with love and a helping hand. Would you change us? Would you make us more like Christ this morning? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter thirteen. I was going to go through a, a different text, but I, I, I looked at the text and I saw. Oh, I didn't do these two verses. And as I looked at them, and I stared at them, and I studied at them, studied them. I, I, I began to see how it was uh, just teaching me, administering to me. So Hebrews chapter thirteen, verses fifteen to sixteen. And I'm going to read through him then. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And during communion... It's wonderful to dwell upon the sacrifices of Christ for his people. That's what we dwell on, right? Christ for his people. And it's appropriate, as especially when we take the cup and eat the bread. But even in this Christmas season, the fact that God the Son came in the flesh to die for the sins of men and women should be highlighted. This is the whole meaning of Christmas. And yet, in this text, the emphasis in verse 15 is not the sacrifice of Christ, but rather the sacrifices for Christ. It is predicated, yes, I would say, by the sacrifice of Christ. And now we are to stop and contemplate Brothers and sisters, what does the gospel mean in my life? How then shall I live if in fact all of this is true? If you were to skip this little phrase in verse 15, this is so pregnant with meaning, so pregnant with doctrine. He says, through him then, okay? Now, before I treat that, if you were to just skip to, okay, now I need to do sacrifices for Jesus. Now I need to work for Jesus. We would, also, we would all halt and stop and say, you know what? That's works righteousness. You're trying to earn the favor of God. You need to Stop. And see, the writer of Hebrews is very careful. I love how the Holy Spirit through the authors are very, very careful with their words. Through him then. You don't skip the through him then. You don't go to, oh, I, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to serve God. I think if I sacrifice and I do well, I'm going to earn his favor. I think I'm, I'm doing okay. I was okay yesterday, but now, now my faith is kind of wavering because I'm not that good. I didn't do these good things. Let me tell you, if you are on that treadmill of works righteousness, you're never going to get off. Through him then. Amen, Mike. Amen. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So, my preaching point, and I'm, I'm going to be very careful with the wording that I'm using, okay? God's word is given to you this morning so that the sacrifice of Christ would drive you to sacrifice for Christ. God's word is given to you this morning so that the sacrifice of Christ would drive you to sacrifice for Christ. There are two offerings of sacrifice that In the New Testament, you can give. Amen? We can sacrifice to God. As a believer in Christ, you can give. But before I go through these offerings, we have to, this through him then... I'm not going to pass by it. The Bible doesn't want us to pass by it. And in fact, it's a, it is as if, no, I, I won't say as if, it is the writer of Hebrews. He's moving on. And you got to think about what's, what the what the believers, as they are hearing this text being read, and as they're hearing it spoken to them, they're hearing it and they say, well, well, I know about Jesus and he's the once and only sacrifice and I know what's going on. And then all of a sudden the writer of Hebrews says, now you have to sacrifice. And then you sit there and you say, well, I thought we didn't have to do that. But yet the writer of Hebrews, how appropriate for today, he doesn't want you to forget, through him, Man. that brings a smile to my face the highly doctrinal book you notice in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20 he says look at, this, look at this text now the God of peace this is a highly doctrinal book but it's not just aimed at doctrine to educate you brothers and sisters it is aimed in not only changing the way you think but in changing the way you live He says, now the God of peace in verse 20, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. So he's saying all of what God has done. He has established peace. He is your great shepherd. There's this covenant that is not changing equip you in every good thing to do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to him be the glory forever and ever verse 22 he says I urge you brethren bear with this word of exhortation for I have written to you briefly what word this whole book well this book is simply just doctrine. It's all about the priesthood of God. The, the better priest. The better priest of Christ. The better sacrifice. The better covenant. He says, yeah, but I want you to know it's an exhortation on how to live and how not to live. What to put on and what to take off. What, how to think and what not to think. This gospel ought not be separate from your lives, brothers and sisters. We're not supposed to live a Christianity that is based simply on morals. Christ is ever before me. Amen? And so, as I remind you, if in chapter one, Christ, though being a different person, shares in the same essence as the Father and the Son, when he says he is the radiance of his glory. The exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Hebrews chapter 1. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This exact representation of God himself. Why? He bears the very character, the very icon of God. That's what the text says. And he has made purification for our sins. The hidden ones that you think no one sees. The evil thoughts that everyone. You think every, you, you, you're so clever to hide. He's made purification for it. That's what Christmas is about. Matthew 1 says. He will save his people from their sins. Through him then. He says, in chapter 2 and verse 11, For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. This high and lofty being, Jesus Christ, is not ashamed to call me his brother or you his sister. For in his blood we have been bought, regenerated and brought and adopted into his family through him. Then In chapter 2:17, he is the our high priest, therefore, he had to be made. He had to be made like us. Brothers and sisters, we read this text, and this may be a foundational Christian truth, but I tell you, I, 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 I work with a lot of youth. I don't know if you guys know that. I love our youth. And it boggles my mind when they're preaching the foundational truths of Christ. That he had to be a man to rescue men. And that many are so doctrinally illiterate in different churches that they may be saved 30, 40 years and not even know that. We saw it it, just last week. I didn't know that. Well, there's something beautiful about this Christ. He is not just a rosy cheeked baby in a manger. He is God incarnate. 2.18. Look at there. He is. Since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. He tempted, he is our helper in our temptations brothers and sisters did you know you could go to him when you are tempted in the middle of the temptation sometimes we're ashamed you know like if there's a family tragedy maybe you have a dirty room and you don't and people want to help you clean and you go I don't want you to see my mess I don't want you to see how I've been depressed and I couldn't clean the house I don't want you to see it and sometimes we're like that with our lives. Oh Jesus, I know you're a savior and I know you're the object of my singing but I don't want you to see what I'm struggling with. I don't want you to see the mess. Oh Jesus, is gonna come into the mess and help you. He comes into the mess. Amen? Come and do there. Three sixteen. I don't want to. I don't want to finish Hebrews. I don't know if you guys know that, but I have to. Okay. So I am. I am squeezing every last drop of Hebrews. Okay. Three sixteen. He says, "For who provoked him who had not heard? Indeed, not all." Um. I'm sorry. That's four. 16. Look at 416. He is our high priest who allows us access to the throne of grace. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that he may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I can't do it. That's when you say I can't do it. I can't do this. I can't go on. There is your Christ who can be there with you. That's okay. I have power for all things. He is the usher of the new covenant in chapter 8 and verse 13. Notice he says, 8, 13, he says, when he said a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete, but whatever is coming obsolete and growing old is going to disappear. He, by his blood in the new covenant, promises regeneration, the new birth, For those who would trust in him. 9.25. He is the high priest that enters the holy of holies. Notice he says here. Nor was it that he would offer himself often. As the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood. That is not his own. But in 10.11 and 12 he says. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time. The same sacrifices which can never take away sin. By the way, this is an indictment of all kinds of religious ritual. No ritual can take away sin. No made up ritual in your own life. No personal ritual. Why? Because verse 12 says it all. But he having offered one sacrifice for sins. For all time sat down at the right hand of God because he was finished. Can you believe that? In his one act of the cross, all of your sins and the person sitting next to you, if they know Christ, all of it is drowned in the ocean of forgiveness that is found in Christ. In verse 11 chapter 1 we know about this gift of faith that he gives to believers that not only are they regenerated but now they have a looking forward to they see the beauty of Christ when the world doesn't see it when the world mocks them now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen for by it the men of old gain approval this is my faith and then he lists the hallway of the heroes of the faith chapter 12 2 he is the author and perfecter of faith and we go to chapter 13 this is his summation this is why we know that through him then that whole phrase is all of this Christ for you all of him all of Christ is all for you He is the Savior to the uttermost. You understand, brothers and sisters. Any part of your life that you need saving from, he's there. I need rescue. He's there. And so Paul, not Paul, excuse me, the writer of Hebrews, says through him then... Through him then, if this is true of you, oh, if you don't know Christ, and you're forced to come here because of your parents, or you don't know him and you've been playing church, please understand that there is this wonderful, majestic being who is shining his forgiveness upon you, if you would just bow the knee. And from there, the writer of Hebrews says, now you can give sacrifice. Do not skip through him then. And then he goes, and our first point, there are two offerings of sacrifice that you can give. Two offerings of sacrifice that you could give. Number one, let Christ speak with your lips. Let Christ speak with your lips. It is the sacrifice of our verbal expression of the glories and the magnitude of Christ. This is not an imagination. This is not simply only in my heart, but it won't come out of my mouth. It is not what Augustine said. Oh, we preach the gospel and sometimes use words. That is, I understand the sentiment, but that is not true. That is not what the word of God says. We are to use our lips. God has given you a communication to express his glories. He should own your lips. He says, let us continually offer up. It is in the first person plural. He collectively says, not just me, not just the preacher, Not just the elders, not just the deacons, not just the ministry leaders, not just the disciples, not just the happy harbor ministers, not just the ones who are teaching the lessons. He says, let us all. Christ should be on our lips. We ought not be ashamed of him. We ought not let allow the world curb our language. They don't curb their language. Why should we curb our kingdom language? Why do we let them dictate what we say? Why do we let them dictate how we express the beauty of Christ? And embarrassing to say, why do we let... Those who say they're Christians dictate what we say when it's not in Scripture. When they're embarrassed, that's not what the writer of Hebrews says. What does he say? The fruit of lips that give thanks to his praise. He is not apologetic, not shy. Continually, all, every, whole. And, and he uses this, this term, in to mean that there is no fair weather Christian who only says things when it's politically correct. When it's politically for me to do so. When he can read the room and say, okay, now I'm going to speak of Christ because I'm safe. Continually. He deserves the praise from your lips, Christian. You see he's worthy. Why do you keep silent? He says to offer up. And so he does use sacrificial language. To make an offering. To lead up. To carry up. In Hebrews chapter 7. It is actually the exact same verb he says who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices and he's talking about blood sacrifices and now he calls it to us he mentions it to us that we are as believers we can give a sacrifice of praise it's amazing okay And here is the grounding, brothers and sisters. We say, well, why is how can I give a sacrifice? The word for sacrifice means an offering. But it's a sacrifice. We know it has to be, there's different kinds of sacrifices. This is particularly of a blood offering. It's the same exact word in Hebrews chapter 10 where it says, if we go on willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, Therefore there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin so we know that this is what he's talking about and now he says as the Christian if your feet are standing on the bedrock sacrifice of Christ you can now give a sacrifice to God that he will accept that he will own You think if you do this before, like there's some people who say, I'll go to church, but I got to get my, I got to get myself together. I got to get my sins all put away. No, that's not how this works. It's through him that now I can give my sacrifice. You may sit there. What is a sacrifice? It's got to cost you something, brothers and sisters. It's got to cost you something. It's got to cost you energy. It's got to cost you ridicule. It's got to cost you something to open your mouth. Or else, what? It's not a sacrifice. If I didn't exercise effort, and I didn't exercise energy, and I didn't exercise thinking, it's not a sacrifice. And Christ says, I want the sacrifice from your lips. Now, you sit there and you may think, God, I'm doing this for you. <laughs> but sometimes I think, if I don't, I'm meant to look at the mirror I, I, I see that my motivations are mixed. I'm a prideful person. Maybe I have mixed emotions in it. Praise the Lord. You see? Do you see? That's why the writer of Hebrews says, through him, then. So in this way, we know that our standing before God, if we have trusted in the Christ, that everything we do, if we do it for him, no matter how mixed and how tainted and how imperfect and how mixed with slothfulness it may be at times, mixed with neglect it may be at times, it goes through him and so the Father receives it as of coming through Christ. Amen. He says this praise is, it's the, in the book of Psalms it is not shy about saying that we praise with our lips. Oh, brothers and sisters, there's too many texts that say that when someone gets saved, they ought to become singers. It doesn't say you'll be a good singer. I mean an in-tune singer. But it does say you become a singer. It doesn't say just a singer in heart. What does it say? With your lips. So there is this connection of something internal happening here that connects here so that now people know that I belong to him. He has my affections. He has my heart. He has my devotion. He has my lips. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 7 verse 17 says, I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. Psalm 108.3 says, I will give thanks to the Lord, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to thee among the nations. You're not going to shut me up. You're not going to shut me up. It's just, if you think about when Paul was in jail, they couldn't stop him from singing. And you think, oh, he's just a weirdo. No, no, brothers and sisters, it is a spiritual, it is brought on because of a condition of what has happened to him. I am a new creature. My lips belong to him. And then it says to God, it is not simply because I want to talk about some kind of conservative political position or I want to talk. This is praise that is directed and thankful to the God who gave us everything. He says, that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. It is the actuality of saying something. Oh, brothers, sisters, do not go through your lives at work without saying anything. Do not go through a week without inviting people. Do not go through a week without sharing the gospel. Do not go for a week without saying, I will stop and I will pray with this person who is hurting. You will waste your opportunity. You keep praying for opportunities for the gospel, but you don't take them. You're useless for the kingdom. Do you want to be that? Or will you say, use me? I don't know where this is going, but use me. I will bear the embarrassment. Use me. I will praise you with my lips. He says, that is the fruit of lips and give thanks to his name. Now, there the Bible talks about there are different ways of praising God. Or there are different ways of honoring God with our lips one way is not allowing an unwholesome word come out of our mouths we're not speaking in dirty jokes we're not laughing at dirty jokes or we're not trafficking in that or we're not using bad Uh, I don't think it's going to help me I'm just messed up you guys already know I don't have to mention why Uh, Thanks brother. But Ephesians 4.29 says. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word as is good for edification. According to the need of the moment. So that it will give grace to those here. So I am judiciously deciding what kind of words are going to come out of my mouth. I am pausing and I'm considering... Is this going to tear down? Or is this going to edify? So I'm allowing no unwholesome word. And there's another way. Is sharing the gospel in different ways. In Colossians 4, 5 through 6. It says to conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. Making the most of opportunity. Verse 6 says. Let your speech. Notice. There is so much text about speech. In James it says the tongue can... Uh, the tongue can, do, can set things afire or it can edify people. He says, let your speech, Paul says in Colossians 4, always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Or, here's another way, you could speak truth in love. You don't back down. If you think loving someone is not sa- telling the truth, that's a lie. It's wrong and you need to Repent. There's so many verses. If you're too scared, you need to repent that you're more scared of that person than you are scared of Christ. That you want to honor that person more than Christ. The Bible says specifically to speak the truth in love, we are to grow in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. But in context, what this is talking about, it says that give thanks to his name. The word there for thanks is to confess or to admit, to declare. I declare, I confess. Actually, it's not the word thanks. It's interesting. It's the word confession. And they translate it to give thanks. Why? Because in context, it's saying I am confessing all that he is to me. I am declaring Who he is. I am agreeing. With who he says. He is. In the world and in my life. And I am trusting in that. To his name. That is his person. And his character. His reputation. His authority. We see that in Matthew 28 right. Where. Jesus came up and spoke to them and all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name the name the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. The name is his reputation. It's all that God is. Now it's it's quite interesting. I was listening to a podcast uh, and uh, the 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 person who was speaking he is a analyzer of news from a Christian perspective and one was about we were talking about thanksgiving and there's this new category uh, of viewpoints that are called nuns have you ever heard of that n-o-n-e-s not n-u-n okay (laughs) nuns the nuns are folks, they're not quite agnostic, but this is this big swath of society early twenties to younger, right? Where they're not religious, they don't hold to Christ, they're not atheistic, they're just none. And I was listening because I didn't and I started reading a little bit about it. I said, wow. That's how they classify themselves as nun. And yet, they love thanksgiving because of, they love to be grateful, they said. It's quite interesting if you break it down. Okay? Because if you're a nun, or you're an atheist, then you do not believe there is a God. Or you don't believe there's sufficient evidence that there is a God. Correct? You following me? Okay. Most folks would believe that we are simply molecules thrown together by a cosmic accident, we have risen out of a primordial soup of nucleotides struck by lightning that has caused different molecules to form and amino acids to get together, which form proteins, which form uh, m- microcellular beings, which then gathered together and was hit by ultraviolet lights. And then now it's serine. Okay. And they teach an evolution that is that, because of natural selection, has caused people to has caused uh, uh, organisms to create, be multicellular and and even though there 's no uh, record in the fo- there 's no fossil record that shows hardly any transitional organisms when Darwin himself said that the that the sedimentary rocks should be teeming with or, uh, uh, transitional organisms, and there are none. And yet they're grateful. But if we are simply cosmic accidents, think about this, okay? If we are simply cosmic accidents, then you have no one to give thanks to. Did you follow? You cannot thank an accident. And that longing in your heart that makes you realize the goodness of a when a baby smiles, or the beauty of a wave as it curls over, or watching the schools of grunion swim, looking the sand blowing, or looking over a field and the sun coming down and the goldness shimmering across it. That that which you feel where you say, I'm grateful. if it is not directed to the one and true God of the scriptures, you're grateful for an accident, which means all you are having is simply a warm feeling. And the writer of Hebrews focuses again and says, then through him, through him, right? Through him then, we are thankful to God and we are not shy about it. as a Christian we are not a nun you are not a nun you know where all good things ultimately come from you know that you can be thankful for the day thankful for your family I like I like like the noise in the household when people are laughing I do I'm thankful for my spouse my wife we have a lot of fun thankful for my body that I get to do certain things I'm thankful for my mind that I could think thankful for coffee I love coffee are you guys following me? I'm thankful for a good workout when you're a little bit tired and you're oh, oh, I, I'm thankful and the sweat is coming down oh I love it right thankful for a good wrestling match thankful for a good friend thankful for a delicious dinner right but all of this i am thankful to christ for his immeasurable gift this is why we spend so much time this is why dre dre's getting older and older right just kidding dre but he he chooses this is why we choose the right songs Because it has its apex in singing. Did you know that? When the church sings, it is a battle cry. Did you know that? We make a big deal around here about singing. About Christ. Because he's a big deal. Okay, follow me if you know these. This old tune. Margaret Harris wrote it. Late 1800s. When... I saw the cleansing fountain You remember that. open wide for all my sin. I obeyed the spirit's wooing when he said, "Wilt thou be clean? I will praise him. I will praise him. Praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Give Him glory, all ye people, for His blood can wash away each stain. Number two, let Christ move your hands. Let Christ move your hands. Let Him have your lips. Let Him have your hands. Let them have your words. Let them have your deeds. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased. This is an interesting text. Don't neglect. Don't overlook the word it means to like it uses this contraction of Over epi, I'm just. I looked and I just kind of forgot. I kind of forgot. You know how sometimes we say, Oh, I should have done that thing. I forgot. You know, the Bible, this text is actually saying, When it says do not neglect, it includes forgetting. I forgot. So, the Bible is saying, Don't forget. Well, I mean, see, now that puts all of us on the hook. You mean I, I, I can't just say I forgot? No! You have to be actively thinking. If it's true of you that you've been regenerated and changed, you can't forget. But, but uh, 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 I forgot. I mean, I, mean, I think I, our kids started to get surprised when I said, Well, you're still in trouble for forgetting. But that's, that's neglect. (laughs) My my daughter said, "Mm." (laughs) that's purposely forgetting. Okay, let's just call it that. And so there's the, in the Bible, there talks about the sin of commission, right? That is doing evil things, but there's also sins of omission, not doing what you ought to do. You ought to do that. The word neglect is in the present tense. And he says don't. You must. And it's in the imperative. This is amazing. The imperative means it's a command. Don't neglect. And why pray tell. Church. As I ask you. Why would the writer of Hebrews say. Do not neglect good works and sharing. Because we do. And we make excuses. And we see the need and we don't, we're not moved. And you see your neighbor is hurt and we just keep walking. We look at the, uh, the, the, good, the story of the Good Samaritan and we say, that would never be me. I would never do it. And yet we do it. We're more like the Pharisee rather than the Good Samaritan. And you see someone has a need. Well, they're not like me. I don't know them. I don't really know them. And you, and you are not able to minister because you're not willing to do the work you're neglecting. You see your brother or your sister hurting and you do nothing. You see your brother or your sister and they have a legitimate need and they're not being lazy and you do nothing. This is what the text is saying. In fact, this word is also, neglect is also translated forget in Philippians 3.13, remember? Brother, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and so we, we, you are responsible. Uh, uh, the guys even know in the elders and deacons meeting, if Angelo doesn't write it down, he will forget. I know I will. So I'm always writing stuff down. I'm always calendaring, I'm always taking notes, I'm always putting on on task lists. Why? Because I'm forgetting, but I want to be active in my forgetfulness and I don't, I want to fight it. If you're not planning and you're not putting stuff down and you're not, and you're not considering, then you're forgetting, you're neglecting. Yes, you are. And you're not going to be used for the kingdom to your greatest capacity. If you only get to things, oh, if I get there, then I'm going to do it. If that's the way you live your life, you're going to live a laissez-faire kind of Christianity. I guess I'll grow, I guess I won't. He says to not neglect doing good, that is to be helpful, to be kind... And sharing is from the word koinonia, which is amazing. For for fellowship, for participation, a willing contribution. Brothers and sisters, you were saved for this. Yes, you were. You were saved to know the glories of Christ and then to extend it to the world by showing Fourth, a sacrifice of your lips and of good works, brothers and sisters. You were saved for this. Ephesians 2 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Not good intentions. Not good, I wish I did it and I didn't do it. Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Not only were you saved for this, but in your heart, as you walk with Christ, you know you're hungry for this. Titus 2, 13 in describing salvation, he says, looking for the blessed hope. And the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, so we look to Christ. We remember what he's done. Verse 14 says, Who gave himself up for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his possession, zealous for good works. If there is something to do. Some place in the church. Somewhere we could bless someone. And you are not hungry. Volunteering. Desiring to do it. There's not something wrong with God. There's something wrong with you. Because God's people are zealous for good works. You should be rich in them. Yes coming out of your ears of good works. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, it says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the certainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share I want to do it. I volunteer. I'll help. I'll be faithful. Not. Uh, uh. You tell the world by this. Matthew 5 says 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. you have a neighbor who's hurting? Do you reach out? you have a brother and sister who's hurting? Do you reach out? Is there a need? Do you go forward? Or is this thing called I'm shy and embarrassed so big and so insurmountable that you can't reach out? I tell you, faith can overcome the fear if you just say God I want to be used now look at this with such sacrifices God is pleased this is an astounding verse with such sacrifices God is pleased he uses the same word sacrifices pleased pleased he's delighted when my son takes a tri-tip he grabs it he seasons it he puts it on this nice dry rub he grabs some rosemary he minces it nice and he rolls it on there some of you who were at Thanksgiving at the Costas, you guys know that thing was gone everybody just ate the whole thing right? I think some people were putting rice in the sauce and everything. They're just pouring it on there. They took the whole thing, right? Thing was gone. When he makes it for me and I smell it outside, ooh, I am delighted. You understand? I actually have an emotion of delights, of joy. God using anthropomorphic language is expressing to us that he is pleased. He is delighting when you do these things. Now there are many times you feel like, do I ever do anything right? Do you ever feel, (laughs) I feel like I'm doing stuff and it's just, it just falls apart oh oh saint you have a savior who takes the things that you say and takes the things that you do who brings it through the cash register of Christ right through the, through the line of Christ right you get this express lane and it's all clean and it gets to God and he is happy with your sacrifice so when we don't necessarily have all the wires put together correctly, when we, are, we don't know what to do because Ty's not here, right? Yes, we try and do our best. But all in all, your Father is Pleased. there's many things the Bible says that pleases God one is when the gospel is preached unapologetically uses the same terms for since in the wisdom of the world wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not come to know God God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe Why do we keep preaching and why do we keep declaring his scriptures? Because we know God is well pleased to use it. and In fact, he loves to save people more than you want people to be saved. You know what else pleases God? Whatever he does. In in Psalm 115.3 it says, Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he does. Pleases. You know what else pleases God? Giving to God. Philippians 4, Paul says, 18, I've received everything in full and abundance. And then he says later on, it's a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, walking with the Lord in a worthy manner pleases him. I finally then brethren we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk that you excel still more. You walk and please God as you actually do walk. Right now some of you Brothers and sisters, right now, I have no doubt you are walking and pleasing God right now. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, I want to encourage you to excel still more. To go for it. So, we look at the text two sacrifices. We sacrifice for him because of his sacrifice. We sacrifice, let's see. His sacrifice for us allows us to have a sacrifice for him. That is the bedrock and the basis. But brothers and sisters, may we be consistent with what we say is in here. With what we do right here. And what if we do with right here? With our hands. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful. We are blown away at your goodness and your kindness in Christ. Thank you for reminding us of then all of it is through him, even our service. And so we praise you and we love you. Help us. Thank you for this sweet time of remembrance, in Jesus' name, amen.